Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. All right, let's go right now to the hotline and bring in the outstanding Browns beat reporter, 92.3 The Fan, Browns Radio Network. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram. He does a fantastic job there as well, at Ryder Wrong Fan. He is Daryl Ryder. And, Daryl, congratulations. You made it through another Browns season, my friend. What do I win? Not the $25 <laughs> gift card from Giannino's Pizzeria. You are not eligible, sir. Oh, that's devastating news. You get a pat on the back and an attaboy, Daryl. Way to go. You made it through yet another season covering one of the worst-run franchises in all of professional sports. The Browns finished the year at 7-10, and losing at Pittsburgh once again, 28-14 to close it out. And in less than 24 hours, as they should have at the halfway point, they waited to the end of the season. They fired Joe Woods. Let's start right there, and then uh, we'll work our way back and forward. Your thoughts on uh, firing Joe Woods? I thought it should have happened earlier, but at least they made it at the end of the season. Do you agree it was a good move? Yeah, I mean, you left them really no choice. And based on what I've gathered in recent weeks, it's uh, almost a miracle that they were able to win 15 games the last two years uh, based on some of the stuff that I had heard. Um, uh, I, I had, uh, you know, been saying it up here, the, the Cleveland Browns lack people skills. And um, I think that that's one of the big reasons he got fired in addition to their lousy run defense and uh, pass coverage. Daryl, I, I looked at it and you know what? There were times where, hey, yeah, that defense looks good. But then there are other times where they blow leads. They can't get off the field on third down, as you mentioned. The pass defense, the breakdown in communicate, it just never got better and stayed uh, better or consistent, Daryl. So uh, that's the, the reason why I thought it was time for him to go after three years. So with him gone, good riddance, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Who are the front runners to replace him, Daryl, from what you've been able to gather? Well, right now it seems that there's four primary candidates that they have uh, asked for uh, permission to speak with. Uh, my top candidate, quite frankly, uh, comes from Pittsburgh and Brian Flores, who has head coaching experience. Um, I think that's going to be important because, uh, quite frankly, I think that Kevin Stefanski enters the upcoming season on thin ice. Um, and Flores would be perfect to be uh, taking things over on an interim basis. Also, uh, Jim Schwartz, he's uh, with the Titans as a senior defensive assistant. Also, of course, uh, made the playoffs with the Lions. Last time Detroit did make the playoffs, he was the coach. Um, he's on the list. Jared Mayo, who's with the Patriots, he's a linebacker's coach. What's interesting is there's a couple of linebacker's coaches you know, on this list, Kenny, and that's one of the the weaknesses mm-hmm. right. uh, of this Browns defense, either by injury or by personnel. So uh, Mayo's also on the list. And then uh, um, an associate head coach and defensive assistant with uh, the Seattle Seahawks, Sean Desai, he has also uh, been requested by the Browns to uh, have an opportunity to speak with him. So, 
That's uh, those are the four that we know of. I anticipate that the list is going to grow, um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, who Kevin Stefanski, as well as Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta, decide to hire. Because as Stefanski said on Monday, it's not just going to be his call. How interesting. And when he was in that press conference and mentioned the fact that he had fired Woods the night before, it made me realize and wonder a couple of things, Daryl. Obviously, I want to go into this Jadavian Clowney thing, because when we heard the comments last week, I believe it was Thursday night, we had found out that he was not happy. But he was not happy in about a Baltimore game, and it wasn't December 17th. It went all the way back to October 23rd. So my question is this. Who's responsible for this, and why didn't they take control of it back then? Well, again, lack of people skills in that building. you got a bunch of guys that can read spreadsheets, but they don't know how to deal with human beings. That's why this team's underperforming, plain and simple. That should have never reached the level that it reached, it should, just like last year with Baker and Odell Beckham Jr. Should have never reached the level that it reached, yet it did. Because, again, yeah, people in charge that don't have people Jeez. skills. Kevin Stefanski doesn't have the requisite people skills to be a head coach in the National Football League. He's proven that two straight years in a row. Um, and so if you're expecting the results to be any different this fall, well, i got news for you. They're probably not going to be huh. um, because he can't just change who he is overnight either. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they allowed situations that did not have to blow up in the fashion that they did to blow up. And I, I blame Stefanski for that because he's the one that's in charge of everything. Daryl Ryder, mm. our guest here on the Kenny and JT Show, Outstanding Browns Beat Reporter, 92.3, the Fan Browns Radio Network. Follow him, Instagram and Twitter, at Ryder Wrong Fan. That's R-U-I-T-E-R, Wrong Fan. Uh, Daryl, 7-10, and 10, a major disappointment. That's a game worse than last year when they were 8-9. and nine. They don't have Baker Mayfield to pin it on this year. So where does the blame go this year besides Joe Woods? Uh, Joe Woods is your fall guy. Last year, Baker was the fall guy. This year, it's Joe Woods. Next year, it's got to be Kevin Stefanski because he's out of body. Um, so that's that, – that, I, I, I blame Stefanski for it all. I, I do because um, he's the one that's in charge of the football team on the field. And in my view, he's just not good enough. But um, Woods Woods takes the fall this year. Probably some more defensive assistance. I do know they want to retain a couple of the defensive assistants, but um, that obviously gets determined once they pick the new coordinator. But, yeah, I mean, I think the buck has to fall at Kevin Stefanski's feet. You know, you look at this defense, and whether it was schemes or it was the talent, maybe the personnel, my problem has got to be this. Moving forward, we can't rehash on what happened. We know there were problems in the secondary. That's not to say that those second get, the guys in the secondary were bad athletes. A lot of times, I think they were sucked in, Daryl, due to the fact that nobody was there to stop the run. So if they bite on every play fake, nobody else can tackle on this team, of course. There's going to be somebody running free and clear in the secondary. And I believe with you, Joe Woods, to a point – is the fall guy in all of this. But my question's got to be this, moving forward. Personnel and salary cap, where do we go from here? Well, a couple strokes of the pen, they're fine. Um, I, the salary cap is a myth, and, you know, uh, it's it's just league accounting is all it is. And if you have anyone that's worth their salt, they can 
they can open up room. I mean, my God, the New Orleans Saints were 80 million in the hole, and within three hours they had like 50 million in room. <laughs> so it, it's not hard to do. Um, you, you convert guys' salary into signing bonuses. That's standard language that's built into NFL contracts. Um, you uh, you know you do have some decisions you have to make. Uh, I know if you cut John Johnson post. June 1st, that there's uh, uh, some savings there uh, of significance. So there's going to be – I'm not worried about the Browns' salary cap situation. I'm, I'm worried about the fact they don't have a first-round draft pick and they got a ton of holes that they got to fix. And I'm sorry, I just don't have three to five years of patience waiting to find out whether or not Andrew Berry can draft guys from the third to the seventh round and if those players are going to turn out to be worth anything. I, I just – I don't have that kind of patience when – you're trying to win immediately, but, uh, you know, that's the situation the Browns find themselves in. Daryl, as I, I look at this football team, uh, I'm trying to figure out who are the untouchables, right? Who are the untradeable guys on this football team? And for me, I'll give you my three, and I only have three, Daryl, um, and, and I'll give you my reasoning. Deshaun Watson, because they traded the, the entire future for him, so he's their quarterback. He ain't going anywhere, and other teams may not want him. Number two, Nick Chubb, best running back in the NFL, but Stefanski doesn't use him as such, but he ain't going anywhere. And Joe Batonio. To me, those three are untouchable. Miles Garrett, as good as he is sacking the quarterback, the all-time leader, uh, 16 more this year for the franchise and, and all of that, he did not have the, uh, the, the best year off the field as far as uh, obviously the car accident and leadership qualities in the clubhouse and everything as he threw the team under the bus a couple of times. So for me, because they lack first-round draft picks, I could see them listening to offers for him. Other than that, Daryl, I don't have any other untouchables on this team. Agree or disagree with my three? Uh, I don't disagree with your three, and I agree with you on Garrett. Because I look at that and I see, you know, his ability, and JT, you know, opened my eyes to this. He sacks the quarterback, but what else does he do? And, I, oh, he gets double teamed. Great. Well, you still got to make other plays like Aaron Donald did, like T.J. Watt did, uh, and, and other player of the years uh, have made. And he was the number one overall pick in the draft. So that's why I throw him out there and I look at it and say, he might fetch you that first-round pick from somebody that you actually need to try and rebuild the interior of that line, the linebacking core, uh, and, and whatever else is needed. So with that in mind, Daryl, and those are the three untouchables, you mentioned draft picks starting in the second round, going to be tough to, to get impact players to that point uh, in the draft. What are the biggest needs of this football team for next season, Daryl? Give me like your top three in order of biggest need, uh, second and third. Defensive tackle, bumper at linebacker, speed receiver. All right, DT, LB, and wide receiver. And I don't disagree with uh, any one of those three, and I just saw where the uh, Ravens today locked up Roquan Smith to uh, a big-time deal as they traded for him uh, at the linebacker position. So, Daryl, where can they get those? Is it going to be via free agency? Do they have the cap space, or is it going to take another trade? Uh, to, to maybe get a, a veteran player that a team is looking to unload, like Amari Cooper from the Cowboys that they got last year, or can they find that in the draft? Yeah, I, I don't know because you got to you know wait and see what they got to work with in the draft, right? Um, 
So um, I, I, I'm not a proponent of expecting mid to late round draft picks to provide an immediate impact. I remember all the gushing that got done over David Bell and what type of an impact he was going to have on the Browns this year as a rookie as a third-round pick, right? And, and as the season's going on, everyone's griping and complaining, David Bell needs reps and touches, and why aren't you throwing him the ball? Yada, yada. Well, he's a third-round pick for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, yeah, you don't draft rookie pro bowlers in the third round of the draft, folks. Like, did we forget this in football uh, school or something? So, um, you know, it's not to say he can't develop into a pro bowler, but I, you know, sometimes I think that we get a little draft overload here and, and draft craze that uh, unrealistic expectations like Martin Emerson, you know, late round pick, like he was fantastic. You know, he was fantastic this year. Uh, I certainly didn't expect that from him. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think free agency, maybe they make a trade for for some impact help. But, you know, they, they kind of went into Deshaun Watson uh, trade thinking that the roster was all that in a bag of chips. And they found out it ain't. And they got a lot of things they're going to need to fix this offseason. Daryl, I want to take you back to the preseason. When we saw you at Brown's training camp, it was on the heels when the Eagles were in town. When you saw the Eagles and you saw those team practices, I don't know how much they let you see because, really, we didn't take a lot out of that either. And, Kenny, I've told you that a million times. You mean times. when I was joking to you how bad the Browns got their butt kicked on the practice Well, field? that's what I wanted to ask because, <laughs> you know, when we saw this and we thought, you know, some people thought, okay, well, that's a good lit and miss test. But did you have any idea when you saw the Eagles they would end up at 14-3, and three, maybe the best team in the entire league, and the Browns would end up at 7-10? and 10? Seriously. Um. I, I, I'm practices are hard to, uh, to gauge. Um, <clears throat> Cause I remember when the giants came to town and the Browns beat them up for a couple of days mm-hmm. and well, <laughs> that season didn't exactly go great for the Browns. So uh, training camp practices are hard to project, but you could see that the Eagles were um, legit. Um, okay. And you know, they took it to the Browns for a couple of days. And that's when I really started to question whether or not the Browns were going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. That was for all the optimism I had in the off season, especially after they had traded for Deshaun. After watching those two practices, that's when I started to feel like um, this could go very badly for the Browns this fall. We're all thinking that Deshaun's the missing piece. And he's going to be the shot in the arm down the stretch whenever. And I think that was before even the suspension was uh, determined. I I can't remember the timeline. It's all a blur to me. It may or may not have been before the suspension was uh, determined. But, yeah, uh, those Eagles practices are what opened my eyes to uh, potential trouble looming on the horizon for the Browns. So, again, it's another mulligan because they're going to use every excuse in the book to keep this guy as their head coach because I believe the ownership likes to be able to control whoever is at the helm in this, in, in this in- yeah. instance, it's going to be Kevin Stefanski. Well, I'll say this. Um, I had been advocating for the last month. They needed to place phone calls to Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh's people and just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, get a gauge of where things are at uh, with them. Uh, that to my understanding never happened. Mm-hmm. They did not take my advice. 
And frankly, I knew they wouldn't take my advice because right. their management structure within the building would never allow for sure. a Sean Payton or a Jim Harbaugh to come in here. Because as you know, what the Browns do works so yep. well. Yep. The way they manage the <laughs> right. building works just so fantastically well. Uh, and we get to see it every game day, every year, you know, and I keep saying it. It ain't a coincidence that the one year nobody was allowed around the football team was the one year that they were worth watching. Wow. That's a great point by Daryl. And JT, you and I brought that up. And even though he's struggling in Las Vegas, Josh McDaniels, um, that's one of the reasons why he wanted nothing to do with the Browns because, well, he wanted to run the show. Uh, And uh, as we know, Kevin Stefanski reports to JW, to D, to Mr. Jimmy, Miss D, whoever else. uh, And uh, if you don't do that, you're not going to be hired by uh, the the, I I call it the reporting to the Self-Preservation Society. (laughs) (laughs) Well put, Daryl. There ain't, there ain't well, anyone in that building that's going to recommend Kevin Stefanski should get fired and they should bring in one guy to run the show because if that happens, they all lose their jobs. You think they're going to recommend that to ownership? Great point, Daryl. Well put, my friend. Well put. Hey, thanks for coming on on short notice, Daryl. We know you're a very busy guy. Fantastic work, seriously, uh, all season long. Proud of how far you've come from when we first met to where you're at now on the Browns Radio Network and the job you do on social media and everything. Keep up the great work, and here's hoping uh, 2023 is a good one for you. As Thanks, guys, for having me, and uh, pleasure as always. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Daryl Ryder, Browns beat reporter, 92.3 The Fan, Browns Radio Network, breaking it down for you through his eyes from what he saw this year covering that team, unfortunately, on a day-to-day basis.